Hi, and welcome to our What Is God Saying for America Today? Um, prophetic Culture. This is Elizabeth Timefook, and we're going to talk some various topics today that we feel like God is saying for America. These are very important things for the days ahead, and I just feel like these are people that are going to come on. The I do have to say that Jamie Lynn had a death in the family, so she couldn't be on with us today. So I did get Brandy Belt, who is seeing miracles happen. And we just feel like this is part of the every day. Every saint should be doing this. Every person in church should be operating in the prophetic, should be operating in miracles. And so she'll share some stories today of just every day. They passed her in Oklahoma City, teaching people every day. Um, you know, on how to operate in miracles. And so I wanted to start first, and I, I think this is really important. So every everyone is going to share something way different than the other, but it's so important right now to hear all of this is I was talking, I started to hear the rumble about food shortages. And, you know, I, my friend Joshua Giles, I wish he could have been on, he was in a meeting, but um, both him and Amanda Shiflett really just kind of shook me when I heard them talking about the, um, in America, how do you prep for some of the things that God's going to do? Because before anything happens, I feel like God always preps the prophets. He always speaks of the prophets first. But one of the things that really, when I was reading through her words, she released about food shortages. I love that it wasn't like to operate in fear. It's kind of like during COVID time, people are like, I don't, I don't know what, I still don't know what the whole toilet paper thing was about in uh, <laughs> during COVID. But um, it was like people jump into fear and it's, that's not the way God does things he wants us to be in faith but um i wanted specifically amanda i will ask her to be on because i felt like she she is a prophet in this hour she is releasing um words that that are very that america does have to prepare for and she is a founder prophetic reformer and so welcome amanda shiflett thank you so much thank you elizabeth and i i really am honored to be on and to share with you guys uh, what, what the Lord has been giving to me and sharing with me. And I know it's probably going to be different and in some ways maybe the same as what some others are getting. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Um, basically, what the Lord has been giving me, really, it's been the same thing for like five years now. And I'm honestly a little bit tired of having to release the same thing a, a, a lot. But um, in 2016, he began to speak to me and the word he gave me was it will be the best of times and it will be the worst of times. And at first, I wasn't quite certain exactly what that looked like. Uh, fast forward to 2018, he said, um, in June of that year, it has begun and you must release this now. And so I began in 2018 seeking him as to what that looked like. And what does that mean? What, is, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for the world? Um, I believe it is for the world, but I'm going to speak specifically to um, the, the U.S. here um, because that's where we are. And of course, uh, a, a lot of what happens here affects many other nations. Um, the best of times, guys, I'll talk about that briefly in just a moment. First, I'm going to go with, with what you were talking about as far as the food shortages and different things like that. Um, you know, in 2018, it didn't look like it does now. We hadn't gone through all that we've gone through in the last two years, um, but he said things are going to get really rough. There's going to be an increase in um, natural disasters. There's going to be a, a lot more of them. They're going to be very um, extreme and a lot more, the word he used was unprecedented and historic. And we have seen that already. We will see more of that. Um, but he also talked about food shortages and, and a lot of different things that he gave me. But specifically last year, he really began to speak to me about there will be food shortages and you will need to prepare for that. Um, and again, as you said, we don't prepare in fear. It's not a time of fear. It's actually a time of great faith for God's people to, you know, know that, that regardless of what we go through, God is with us and God will lead his people as long as we are trusting and believing in him to do that. Uh, there will be miracles. Uh, there will be lots of amazing things going on. And that is a part of the best of times uh, that, that is coming. But we do need to prepare for these things. I have suggested to pretty much everyone I know and have been for a while now, you need to have, uh, if at all possible, as much uh, as you can close to three months supply. If you can't do that, do what you can. Uh, what I tell people is be led by the spirit. 
ask the Holy Spirit, what am I to do? Because it's going to be different in different regions of the country. We've already seen what's going on with the baby, shoot, baby food uh, shortage and things like that. And there's going to be more. And then with, with Ukraine and what's going on with that wheat shortage and things like that. But I believe as the Lord has shown, shown it to me, it, it's, it's like what happened with Joseph where he gave him a warning and said, I'm giving you this so that you can prepare so that you can be more ready uh, for when these things happen. And what I believe is going to happen is actually going to be that it's going to become even an evangelistic tool for the body of Christ. Because what I believe is that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be just as we saw with COVID, there's a lot of people that are in fear in the world. And we as the body of Christ should not be operating in fear. We should not be operating in, oh, what's going to happen? And I'm so scared and run out and, you know, raid the stores. We should just prepare in, in a very uh, wise and calm way and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Every time I go to the store, I get a little bit extra. Every time, you know, I get a little bit of, of more of what I feel like is needed. Um, and I've released some of that as far as what I feel like is the best thing for people to be preparing for, you know, foods that will uh, be able to be sustained uh, for a little bit longer and be able to be held for a little bit longer. So I really feel like that is important at this time. Um, and really, I think it's just so that people will not freak out when it does come, uh, because I think that's what actually creates the freak out mode is when these things happen and we don't know that it's coming. It's a lot better if we do know. And so I feel like there's going to be uh, a great evangelistic tool. I feel like that not only um, as we prepare and as we do what the Lord would have us to do, I I've seen that the Lord is going to have a multiplication of food. He is going to actually multiply what we have for ourselves and for others so that we can use that as uh, an evangelistic tool to say, we uh, here, we have this. And yes, we do want to share it with you. And we actually prepared more so that we could share with you. Uh, one of the biggest scriptures that the Lord has given me was in the book of Acts, where Agabus, the prophet stands up and says, there's going to be a famine. And not only does it look, seem as if they prepared enough for themselves, but they prepared enough to send to the other church in the other city. And so how great is that to be able to do this? Uh, there's going to be miracles, there's going to be signs and wonders. Uh, that's the best of times. And so we are going to be walking in the glory. Uh, it, it's going to be Isaiah 60. It's going to be the darkness, deep darkness that is going to cover the earth and deep darkness, the people, but not God's people, because the light of the Lord the glory of the Lord will arise upon us, will shine through us. And I believe it's going to actually shift many, many people to actually come into the kingdom and, and the harvest will be great from this. And I feel like that what we need to do is prepare what I've told uh, all of those who I mentor and who are a part of our ministry is we need to prepare first spiritually and second, yes, in the natural, but be led by the spirit in all of those things. And so I, I just really am encouraging uh, the people of God to do that. I am very encouraged because just in the last uh, couple of months, honestly, it's really, really ramped up where we uh, have churches like weekly, I am connected with churches and ministries and pastors that are saying, how can we prepare? How can we be more ready? So when this happens, uh, there's a church I was talking to this week, that the pastors are down in Georgia and, and they've been doing this and they've been having trainings at their church on here. Let us help you. How do you prepare? Uh, we have, we're also doing a food pantry. We're doing lots of these kind of things and, and just wanting to help not only their people, but the community as a whole. So I think this is going to be a great, great hour for the church. And what I'm also telling one final thing I want to say is for those who are not in a place of great faith and they say, well, I want to be in a place of faith, but I'm just not there. Get around other people who are in a place of faith, who are very, very strong in their faith. I'm telling you that will encourage you and that will uplift you. This is not a time for us to, you know, shrink back and not be a, a part of the body, get around other people in the body that are as much uh, faith-filled as you can, as much as you can. And that is going to be very, very key in this hour. Wow. So good. So good, Amanda. So with the, what are some maybe 
outside, I mean, those are great tips. What are some things maybe that God is showing you um, more um, in America that's going on? Because I know not just the food shortages, what are some other things maybe like, has God shown you like revival? You know, what is maybe he's shown you about coming to America? Yes, absolutely. At the same time, I've seen, um, you know, and many others I, I know have seen the same thing, the fire pockets of revival that are going to be uh, popping up, you know, in many different places. Uh, and a lot of them are not going to be where we might would think they may be, you know, in the hills of West Virginia, it may be over here, it's going to be at the smaller places, some of the larger places. And honestly, what I've what I've seen is the miracles and the healings that are going to be happening are going to be happening. Again, the Lord said the word is unprecedented. Not only is that for what's going to be happening as far as the worst of times that's coming, but the best of times it's going to be unprecedented. That means with something we haven't seen, we haven't been, been aware of, we haven't seen at least not in our generation. I've seen just literally people coming together two or three uh, at home gatherings or just fellowshipping over food and healings taking place, people just calling people over the phone and healings begin to take place all over uh, the place and all over the the, the the country all over the the churches I see it inside the church I see it outside the church and I just see an explosion of God's people doing what we're called to do because a lot of what is going on and what is going to be going on is really just the creation itself groaning for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. And I believe that's what we're coming into. We are going to see healing, revival, and awakening unlike we have seen in this nation. I believe actually since the, the healing revival days of the 40s and even beyond, since the, the original of the book of Acts, I believe that's what we're coming into. People are going to be healed just by asking and receiving simple prayers of lord you said you would heal this person you you've already healed them 2000 years ago i'm asking you to heal and miraculous healings and we've seen some of that in our ministry already begin to taking place and i know other ministries have, have as well and i just am really excited about what god is going to do the revival and awakening that is coming there is a uh, third grade awakening that i believe is already the rumblings are already there it's already beginning to take place there's going to be great wells of revival that have been dormant for a time and they have been being redug by many, many people who have been praying and interceding for that. And I know that that is also going to be coming forth like a geyser that's just going to explode. So that's definitely something that I've seen as well. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. I, um, actually in 2020, the January, 2020, before even COVID even really broke out, the two things I heard was I, it's going to be the best of times and the worst of times. So I heard that in 2020. And then the other thing is I had a vision of God standing up and I was like, what is it? Like I had to go through the Bible and find times when God stood up. And I feel like God is strategically just letting you know, allowing things so people can cry out to him. So along when you get miracles, it's going to be to the lost because it's going to be a sign to them that God is real. So awesome. I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. Next, we're going to have Seth Dahl. And Seth is a new friend and um, he used to be the pastor, the, the children's pastor of Bethel for 10 years. Um, but through the years, I've kind of seen some of his work with, you know, children and the supernatural. And um, I, I actually believe, and I've talked to him and I were talking about this, that there is an assault against children right now. And we have to like, I don't know. It's almost like I want to write a decree, if that makes sense. But um, there's such an assault. And, I, you know, like today I was sending him an article that's out about, you know, they had these kids and like they it's you know, crazy, the craziest stuff happening to kids. And so um, right now we're saying, like, how do we teach kids? you know, the supernatural and how to operate in it and live it, live it on a daily life. But the other part, I think Seth, when I was talking to you a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that really struck me was when you said, if the enemy's attacking kids this way, what is up? Like, what is it God has for kids right now? And that really like impacted me when you said that, because it's not just the attack, but it's like, there's something the enemy is seeing that kids are going to be operating in that the enemy's going after. So let's welcome Seth Dahl. Thank you for being for having me here. It's really good to be here. Amanda, I love everything you just shared. I'm like, 
I've been saying some of that for the last couple of years and some people really receive it and love it. And some people really push back, but uh, I think it's really good. And so I kind of want to continue just before I get into the kids stuff, I want to just pick up on that train of thought. Amanda said, talked about Joseph and how Joseph knew what was coming. You know, he, Pharaoh had the dream. Joseph says, Hey, it's seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Here's where I see something go sideways that I don't think needed to go sideways was Joseph then he he knew he had the revelation he had the interpretation but the application that he gave to that dream for Pharaoh was to prepare the government instead of prepare the people and so the government's the only one that knew what was coming so the government is the one that had all the food so then as soon as the famine hit now everyone is becoming dependent on the government. You know, the first year they showed up and they said, hey, uh, we, we got no food. And Joseph said, give us all your money and we'll give you food. So they fed, they gave him enough food for a year. The next year they come back. We're only two years into the famine now. The next year comes back and they said, hey, we got no money. He says, all right, Joseph goes, this is Joseph, God's man, God's prophet, God's dream interpreter. He says, okay, give me all your livestock. And I'll give you food. So now, now they've traded all their currency. Now they've traded all their livestock. And now, now another year goes by, and they come back and say, "We got no money. We got no livestock." He says, "Give us all your land." He he, he takes all the land and for Pharaoh. So now Pharaoh has all the all the finances, all the food, all the all the livestock, and now he owns all the land. And everyone becomes a servant a slave of Pharaoh. And they, he, he doesn't give them food. Now he gives them seed. And now they work the land that Pharaoh owns to then pay him 20%. So that's, I, I think that's a huge important thing to realize is Joseph prepared the government, not the people. And here's fast forward all the way through. Here's what happens is his family comes in. It's the reunited, the reuniting of his family, right? So the brothers, that sold him into slavery, the brothers that that uh, that abused him, that pretended like he was dead, that sold him into Egypt in the first place, show up. The whole thing happens. Israel, his father, comes back, discovers my son's actually not dead. He's alive. So you have this beautiful family reunification happen. But that family, Israel and all the other brothers are out of food as well. That's why they're there. So now Israel comes in to Egypt and, and the family comes in and they're given a land in Goshen. So Joseph and Pharaoh give them this land. So now what happens is not only did, did Egypt become dependent on the government for everything and lose ownership of everything, but now Israel has become dependent on Egypt because they've just moved in to the land because they had no food as well. Fast forward all the way, Joseph dies, Joseph's buried, another Pharaoh arises, and the political spirit gets real insecure and goes, hey, you know, Israel's been in our land for a long time. You know, they came in here needing food. They came needing food. They weren't prepared. They weren't prepared for what was coming. So they showed up needing food. We gave them food. We gave them the land. They, they're, they've now become so big and so powerful. Let's make them slaves or they're going to turn on us. And so now the people who'd come in, God's people who'd come in and become dependent on Egypt because of Joseph, which I just think it was a mistake Joseph made. One simple mistake cost, cost a big, a big cost a lot. So, so all of a sudden, this is what caused Israel to become slaves in Egypt. So then you have 400 years of slavery, 430 years of slavery. Why? Because Joseph prepared the, the government, not the people. So after 430 years, you have one of the greatest assaults on children that ever happened was, was Moses is about to show up. And Pharaoh is so insecure about Israel, about God's He's so insecure. He's commanded all the midwives to just kill the boys. If it's a boy, kill them because we can't have this. We can't have this continue. We can't have these people continue to grow in strength. The political spirit's always insecure about people being powerful, people being free, people having their own supply. The political spirit gets so insecure and then it makes you slaves and then it wants to kill you. And so what's happening is they're assaulting these children. They're killing every single boy in the whole place. And so that's, that's where I wanted to, to get to. Um, before I get there though, I want to say one more thing about Joseph is, you know, when he was a kid, um, his brothers are the ones that sold him. Right. So, 
so he gets sold into into slavery. He gets sold into human trafficking. Uh, but but his decision as a young man with Pharaoh, eventually his entire family, his entire people group became slaves. So he, in a sense, what had happened to him as a child now, a long time in the future has happened through him. So what happened to him because of his unhealthy family situation? You know, the father favored him. The brothers hated him. The brothers sold him into slavery. Well, now he's he's accidentally because of his pain in childhood. He has accidentally just put his entire family and all of God's people in slavery as well. So what happened to him as a child happened through him. So if there's any 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 call to go families we need to make sure we're really healthy with our kids. We need to make sure we're healthy. We need to make sure we're raising healthy kids. We need to make sure we're we're watching out for this stuff that our kids aren't growing up super wounded because of what we did because if they grow up wounded because of what we've done without healing, eventually what happened to them will happen through them and it'll be worse than it ever was for them. And so all that to say, let's go back to the Moses thing is here's what I think families need to do. You know, Moses' mom needed to protect her son from the assault. I mean, they're, they're literally going to grab that kid and throw him in, in the river and kill him. Right. So she actually puts him in the same river that they're going to kill him in, but she puts him in the basket. Right. So I think, I think symbolically, prophetically, I think it's a picture of, we need to make sure our kids understand what's the basket. The basket is the atonement. The basket is, you know, it's the, it's the little basket with the, with the tar inside. It's a picture of the cross. It's a picture of what Jesus has done. And he's, and, and sticks, sticks this kid in the very river that's killing all the other boys, but now it's rescuing him. I think it's also a picture that we want to make sure we're putting our kids in the river of the Holy spirit with, with a clear understanding of what the gospel actually is. I think it's really when I look at the church right now, I see a lot of, I still see a lot of like people, pastors, ministries that don't know what covenant we're in and they don't know what side of the cross we're on. And so I think, I think we need to make sure our kids understand what the cross really did. And I think they need to understand the presence of the Holy Spirit. They need to know the presence of the Holy Spirit. They need to be put in the river, in the basket, and that's what will protect them. I think we also need to not be afraid if, if the enemy comes at our children. Because think about this. Pharaoh grabbed Moses. Pharaoh's daughter grabbed Moses out of the river. And the actual enemy trying to kill him took him and started raising him as, as his own. But what happened was... You know, even fast forward there again, it's like the very enemy that took him and trained him was really just training him to lead a country and single handedly destroy what the enemy had done. So, like, you know, Moses single handedly, Moses and Aaron and God single handedly, th three and one, I guess, three, three handedly, they destroy all of all of Egypt's chariots, all of Egypt's army. They destroy everyone in the Red Sea. And so I, I but I think for us, that's what we need to be aware of. We need to be aware of. The pain that we cause to our children without healing will eventually be the pain that's caused through them. That's what happened with Joseph. I, I do think we need to be aware of, of the food situation quite strong. Like we need to be aware of, we need to prepare them. You know, even, even the story of the feeding of the 5,000 that, um, um, you know, multiplying food, Amanda mentioned that too. It's like, well, how'd that happen? It was a kid that had food. It was a little boy that had the food and the little boy hands his food, five loaves and two fish. Jesus goes here. Thanks. God hands it out and to the disciples and they start handing it out. But, but, but you have this little kid that has the food that's responsible for that miracle. But what happened at the end of the miracle in John six fifteen? sorry, if it feels like I'm rambling, I'm going to try to button it all up. But in John six fifteen, it says, Jesus perceived they sought to take him by force and make him king. So you have a whole country that's going, we want him as our king. We want him to run our country. What he just did with the food supply, what he just did with the food supply in this one meeting caused us, we want that for our whole entire nation. And so I like to say, finally, the church, you know, the disciples got smart enough to ask what the little kid was carrying. And that's what turned a country to Jesus. So if our country's if we want to turn countries to Jesus, we may want to check out what the kids brought. We may need to see what the kids have, but we also need to make sure our kids, you know, I, I love the whole preparation thing. Like my kids know how to grow their own food. 
my kids know we, we raise our own chickens and then kill them and then put them in the freezer and we have chickens for a year. Like my kids know how all that works. My kids understand preparing ahead of time. My kids understand having food. My kids understand growing it. My kids understand being prepared to serve the people around you. My kids understand that. I think we need to teach them that as well, but to try to, to try to button it all up. I'm like, the, the word I've been feeling from the Lord strongly is of the increase of his government of peace, there will be no end. We just need to make sure that where we are, you know, when you grow your own, own food and prepare, you're depending on, if you grow your own food, you're depending on God's government, the earth that he gave us. You're not dependent on the, the trucks. You're not dependent on Amazon and Whole Foods, you're not dependent on the government's food supply, you're dependent on God's government food supply. And, and so I think, you know, the, the, while, while deep darkness is going to cover the people, the glory will be seen upon us. While the world gets crazier and crazier, the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So I think, I think all of this is, let's, let's raise up our kids to be really, really healthy. And I could just talk forever on this stuff but let's raise up our kids to be super healthy so what happens to them doesn't happen through them let's let's protect our kids by preparing them let's put them in the presence of god let's make sure they understand the gospel and the cross and let's 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 make sure that they are allowed to give what they have because when they give what they have it could turn countries back to the lord so Oh, yeah, there, there's my thoughts on what's yeah. happening right now. So good, Seth. Just hold on a second. You know, when I was talking to you, one of the things I feel like in the Jewish calendar this year, it's the year of the house, right? And I, I just am like, it would only be God if we flip Roe versus Wade during the year of the house, right? Like, like is this like strategic from God? Because our God is very strategic, right? And in the middle of that, I feel like we're going to see Malachi 4, 5, and 6 with our own eyes. We're going to see this um, flip because the hearts of the fathers turn to the children, right? So I'm just wondering, you know, you and I talked a little bit about this, like maybe share for like a minute or two on what you feel like God is saying about Malachi and even the hearts of the father, how important this is for a move of God that's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, I think it's best seen in the movie boss baby, the family business, the new boss baby that came out not that long ago. I know it sounds weird to say that, but in the movie, the school system, this is, this is just right there in the movie. They just come out and say it. The school system is creating social media apps so that they can hypnotize parents and pull the parents away from the kids. But a dad goes up into heaven, so to speak. He, he gets pulled up into baby core and he sees the biggest threats towards the kids and he drinks the formula and he comes back to earth more childlike than he was, but his heart is turning back to his kids. And he goes into the school system and he breaks the hypnosis off of the parents to turn them back to their children and turn their children back to them. It's, it's the Malachi four, five, and six is as clear as I, I've ever seen it in a, in a movie scenario. But I think what they're saying is, Hey, you know, the school, the way we educate our kids right now is, is super important as well. Not just the food, but the education and um, the social media, how we use technology, things like that. I think as parents, it, you know, God does want to turn our hearts back to our children and turn our children's hearts back to us. And I think this thing right here has the potential to either to, to decide what, what takes place. And so, you know, in the movie, the whole, the whole, the whole thing was if we want to turn hearts of kids and hearts of parents back to each other, we have to break the hypnosis that's been programmed into this thing, programmed into social media. And so I, I think, I think God's trying to do it. He's trying to talk to us. He's trying to show us. And I know like, just for me personally, I've literally, I have no Instagram on my phone, no Facebook on my phone, no TikTok on my phone. I've, I've recently just hired people to create all my content and do all that. And I don't even look at my comments. I'm not doing any of it. I'm not interacting with it at all because I felt like when I saw that in the movie, I need to make sure I'm using this well so that my heart doesn't accidentally get pulled away through all the things that I'm seeing through the overload of information and all that. And so I think, 
I think that movie is trying to tell us something loud and clear about Malachi 4, 5, and 6, that spirit of Elijah turning the hearts of fathers and mothers and kids back to each other. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, we're going to welcome Paul and Ashley Lackey. Both of them are amazing. And um, I felt when I met Paul for the first time, I thought like one of the most accurate Navi prophets that I've ever met, especially in the next generation. And so I just love those guys. And so um, they're going to share a bit of what God's speaking to them for America. So welcome, Paul and Ashley. Hey, you guys. How you doing? Um, I'm Paul. This is Ashley. It's great to see you guys. Glad we could be a part of this today. We just love to be a part of uh, what God's doing through Elizabeth and how he's using her to orchestrate so much to bring people together. It's pretty incredible from every camp, every tribe. We love the example that she sets with that. But I want to um, share with you guys a little bit about um, what we feel God's saying for this year. And, and it's funny because as every person is talking, I mean, I'm raised in a prophetic house, have a prophetic mantle, a prophetic anointing. And gosh, I think, you know, each person that's talked, I, I, I just want to grab it and run with what <laughs> you guys are saying. Um, even to the extent that last night we had a prayer meeting at church mm-hmm. and um, God, it was just, my dad was leading it out and it was just a prophetic declaration and decree night of, Hey, whatever you feel, whatever you sense, let's get in there and pray it and let's go for this. And literally when I got up there and as Elizabeth said, my anointing is kind of an, a knobby. Sometimes you get up there, you don't know what you're going to say. You don't know what's going to come out of your mouth. You just get up there and then it comes out. So I walked up there, grabbed the microphone and just started prophetically declaring that fathers were going to become the example to the children that they were meant to be. Um, Cause the Lord confronted me this with, with, with this, when we had our first child about six years ago, he's six years old now, his name's Elisha. Um, about the example I'm supposed to be to my son, because, you know, when you have a kid, you're worn out for a year or two (laughs) until they slow down a little bit. So you're just, you grab at straws just to get through things in life sometimes having little kids. But I remember, you know, there was moments where not my wife, but me, you know, I was thinking, oh, I'm too tired to go to church today. I'm too tired to go to this meeting. I'm just so worn out. You know, the kid didn't sleep good last night, all this different stuff. And then the Lord really confronted me one day when we were at church because I was kind of like, hey, let's sit towards the back. He's a little bit wild. I don't want to embarrass anybody or draw attention. And the Lord confronted me that this, this wasn't the right example to set. So literally after that, we just every single time we have a chance, we're at the altar, we're immersed in this. And so I just, you know, I could go off on that for, for, for just 30 minutes on that um, entire thing. But but. What God's shown me for this year and what he's really spoken to me for this year is about united. Um, since 2020, since COVID, uh, I don't believe that, that, that COVID caused division. I believe that COVID, what happened, what the government did, revealed the division that was already there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it seems like it's quieted in one sense, but in the spirit, it's magnified. Um, just a, just an outright spirit of division. So this year, I just, God's had me in Acts um, 2, 3, and 4, really 3 and 4 specifically, but it's all been about unity. And we know in Acts chapter 2, that's when there's the day of Pentecost and the first visitation of the Holy Spirit. But in Acts chapter 3, um, towards the end, it talks about Peter and John that went to the gate called Beautiful. And there was the crippled man sitting at the gate and what's hard, and I'm going to have to, to brace myself, we have the gift of gab. I could speak an hour just about this alone. But they went to the gate, and, you know, someone brought this crippled man. He says he's been crippled for 40 years. They brought him to the gate um, of the temple of the city, and his sole purpose was just to grab the people that were going into worship to beg them for money. And, you know, when I was reading this again earlier this year, this just, you know how it is. We've all heard it. You read something a million times in the Bible, but there's one time you reread it and you receive it in your spirit and it literally just transforms you like like something shook on the inside of you. So that happened when I reread this. So in Acts chapter three, it says, you know, we went up and Peter went up to him and the man reaches up for asking for money. And Peter basically says, I don't have any money, but here's what I can give you. And he prays for him. He says, stand up and walk. So the man we know crippled for 40 years stands up and walks. 
and it catches the attention of everyone around about them. So here's the hard part. Let me, let me just grab it real quick. First off, they were at the gate and at the gate was a stronghold of infirmity, of sickness, a spirit, a demon, a legion, if you will, that was right there at the gate before Peter and John could enter the gate. The first thing God had them do was, was release his supernatural kingdom to catch the attempt to heal that man that's been crippled for 40 years, but it caught, like Elizabeth said at the beginning of this, miracles are what begins to open the door. So they confronted it at the gate, and after they went in, I'm going to skim through it, but when it goes into chapter four, um, it runs into very quickly that, that, that Peter and John caught the attention of the entire city. They said um, it's recorded and there's different opinions and different versions that say different things, but they say somewhere around five to 6,000 people gave their hearts and lives to Jesus and it was all started at the gate through a miracle. So Peter and John are in this city and they're preaching Jesus. They have a unrestrained boldness that's upon them um, and they just went for it. Um, they opened up the door for the supernatural to begin to function and begin to flow. So next thing they know is the religious leaders of the territory. I mean, the way I put it is this, in Israel, any of the who's who that was a scholar, theologian, um, a rabbi, anything, everyone came together and we know they were arrested, they were thrown in jail. Um, the next day they bring them before everybody. And I'm, I'm kind of a literal person. So when I, when I speak this or read it, I can see it as if I'm John or Peter standing in front of who knows, 200 to 1,000 of the most influential religious leaders right in front of me that are basically saying, you cannot do this, even though they experienced the miracle, saw a man that had been known for sitting at that gate every day for, for the Lord knows how long, but he crippled for 40 years. They're looking at Peter and John saying, you can't do this and you can't preach the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, Peter gets bold and he says, well, you judge for yourself. Is it better for me to listen to you or for me to obey God? Mm -hmm. So Peter is just going for it. So they, we know that the council kind of gathered and they're like, we don't know what to do with them. They come back, they threaten them, say, we're going to kill you. We're going to stone you. Never come back again. And it, it's kind of left at that. So as it goes on, it says Peter and John, the first thing they did was gathered the believers. So in my mind, I'm thinking they got all the 5,000, 6,000 people that just experienced this miracle and saw the supernatural power of God, gave their lives and hearts to Jesus. Peter and John gathered all these people and it says they gathered all the believers. So again, there's opinions and thoughts of what this could be, but five, 6,000 people just got saved. Plus it says they gathered all the believers. So I'm sure there was more that they knew. So the opinions or thoughts are it's in between 6,000, maybe up to 11,000 people that Peter and John gathered. And here's what I, what I love is they gathered them and they just testified. They testified about how God brought them through, how he preserved them, how he gave them the boldness to face down some of the most intimidating people in the land that held the power and the authority, the religious, the religious spirit, if you will. And they didn't go to the other believers and say, you know what we need to do? We need to form a lynch mob, but we need to march in the city and we need to do whatever it takes to dethrone them, to get them out of here. It literally says they gathered the believers and they began to pray. They shared the testimony of what happened, but Peter and John began to pray. So as they prayed, it says that all the believers were in one heart and in one mind. And it was so powerful as Acts 4, it starts in 31, verse 31. It says at that moment, even the ground began to shake and the building they were in began to shake. Now, I want to say real quick, yeah. I don't know. It may be like in, in chapter two, the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit showed up. But it says that at that moment when they were together, everything began to shake. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it's kind of like what was just in the news with the Garth Brooks concert to where it came out and said that Garth Brooks had so many people at his concert. They were so loud, so singing and dancing that it registered as a small earthquake on the Richter scale. So you can imagine where the believers were gathered together. Then it says, after the ground began to shake and the earth began to shake, and it says all of them were filled. It doesn't just say, hey, the Holy Spirit showed up like on the day of Pentecost. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And... And then it goes straight into 
there was not a single one around them that, that struggled with selfishness any longer. It literally says that selfishness was eradicated from their community. Mm -hmm. They started taking their homes and lands and selling everything and handing it, laying it at the feet of the apostles, saying, do with it as you will. A radical boldness to preach the death and resurrection of Jesus was released. And it started a movement, an awakening, a revival, if you will. And then we all know when you go into verse number five, it's about Ananias and Sapphira to where they were involved in all this, but they withheld and they lied, sold the land, um, didn't give all the proceeds. So we know what happens when you don't do it. But here's my point. Here's what I want to finish on because I might be going over time a little bit here. But it birthed a revival. It birthed a unity. It says all the believers were in one heart and one mind. They weren't thinking of themselves and their own needs. Not, it says not one single person was found in need within their community, which is believed to be 6,000 to 11,000 people. I've never been anywhere in the earth where I've seen six to 11,000 people without one person in need. So my word is to unify Anything that may be an open door residue of the past where there's a spirit of division, take it, deal with it, confront it, birth unity again and move forward. And we will see a, one of the mightiest moves of the Holy Spirit that we've ever seen. I believe it's going to happen this year in one of the most divisionistic times I've seen in my lifetime. Right now, so many are divided. I believe we're going to see the opposite by the spirit released. This is one of the greatest gatherings of unity that the world has ever seen. Mm -hmm. wow. So good. Amen. I love that. And I love the boss baby story because our kids love that movie. So I totally, uh, yeah, I as to you're say like that. saying the whole scene, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching the movie play out in my mind. We've seen it so many times. But I think like, even as he was talking about the boldness, yeah. I, I've told Paul over the past several months, several times recently, I see in my children a boldness that I believe is unique to this generation that we have yet to ever see. Yeah. I really believe they are the generation that is not going to be afraid or ashamed to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And um, so we've taken on that mandate to encourage that, to equip that and to charge our children to do that. Um, and so I think that's so good. But one, just the one thing I wanna share quickly, um, back in January, I was actually in the floor of our, our bedroom wrapping birthday presents for our middle son. And um, I just could feel the atmosphere shift. And I heard the Holy Spirit just come and whisper in my ear. And he said, uh, the season of transition and change is coming. And we've already experienced so much of that since COVID, since 2020, we've seen, you know, change and transition and continuously happening. And, and I believe we're going to continue to see accelerated seasons of change and transition because it's all leading to the appointed time of fulfillment, right? Where he can rend the heavens and return. Yeah. Um, and so it's going to continue this way but I heard the Lord say you're coming in to a season of change and transition and I knew he was speaking that to me personally because I saw some visions that related to us personally but I also knew the Lord was saying that at large that we were again coming into a season of change and transition um and God just kind of began to show me some things but at the very end of it I heard him just whisper to me and say it's all pointing to the harvest mm -hmm. just very simply that that line he said it's all pointing to the harvest and I was like, okay, I mean, I agree. That's good Lord, but I didn't think much on it at the time. Um, and then fast forward a few more weeks later, I was actually reading a news article. I don't even remember what I was reading about uh, something in the news. And as I'm reading, the Holy Spirit stops me and I hear him just say again, very clearly, it's all pointing to the harvest. Yeah. And I knew when he said it a second time, I'm like, okay, there's something we have. You, he's wanting me to grasp this. And so I just kind of began to pray on it and meditate on it. Still not really thinking a whole lot about it. And fast forward a few more weeks, I'm in Memphis at a conference and I have this vision and it's kind of like, you know, the old time movies that have reels that you would see like in the slides. Yeah. Um, my visions often happen like those kind of reels, like one by one, I see the slide and every slide was like, you know, COVID-19 or, you know, economic shaking or, you know, pandemic or rumors of war. It was like all these things that are happening in the earth. And I could see all these reels. Um, of, of the shaking taking place, but then all of a sudden, every one of them, like a laser, they are all focusing to the exact same spot. And the Holy Spirit, again, says to me, it's all pointing to the harvest. Wow. 
And as soon as I heard the Lord say that, I, I felt this almost zeal overtake me because I knew exactly what he was saying, and which was that if we can get our focus in the right place, if we can That's actually true. see yeah. what's happening, um, the purpose of what's happening in the earth, it's all culminating to the appointed time. This is all to prepare the way for Jesus, right? Mm. And so I, I knew the Lord was saying don't look at the situation itself. Look at where it's pointing to. It's all pointing to the harvest and that we were coming into a time where those who will set their eyes on Jesus, those who will mm -hmm. set their eyes on the great commission, that uh, event that I was at in Memphis, I came back home from Paul. There was such an amazing outpouring of the spirit that happened yeah. that weekend. People were like laid out on the floor, like getting deliverance, people like getting set free of addictions, physical healings that were happening. And I came back and I told him, I said, you know, what was so crazy is the whole thing was so simple. We just preached the gospel. <laughs> we just preached that Jesus still heals. We preached that Jesus still sets people free. We just preached that Jesus still baptizes in fire and, uh, you know, the Holy spirit. And so I said, you know, the truth is if we get our focus on the right place, what is that? The great commission, the whole purpose is to prepare the way John the Baptist who was a prophet laid this out beautifully before us he preached repentance turn to God and the kingdom of heaven and if we can just put our focus in the right place yeah. it's all pointing to the same thing the harvest the souls the people that God wants to send us into the fields to go and bring those who belong to the kingdom of heaven and um so I just have been praying over this and really feeling like the Lord is trying to stir and even this word about boldness we've talked about this several times that, that God is stirring his people into a completely abandoned zealous boldness yeah, yeah. that will understand that what's happening in the earth isn't meant to push us back in fear it's meant to thrust us forward into saying, I have the answer. I know the solution. His name is Jesus. And I can show you the way to it. I can show you the way to him. And, um, and so I just really believe that, that this press that we've been in the, the body of Christ, the press that we have found ourselves in, it's actually, it's Jesus. It's the Holy spirit putting the press on us to say, it's time to really say, do you believe what you believe? Yeah. And if you really believe it, are you going to take it, it? And are you going to do it? Are yeah. you going to step out? Are you going to go to the harvest fields? And are you going to bring Jesus to the world? Um, and so I just felt so stirred that God was saying, um, and one of the things that I felt was, and it happened again to me last night, I woke up in the middle of the night about three, 3 AM. And I was like coming out of sleep. So I wasn't completely awake, but partially awake. And I saw out of my window, red sirens going mm. off. Yeah. And, um, I thought that as crazy as is, we don't have like actual sirens that go off during tornadoes, but it was so real. What I saw outside my window, I picked up my phone to pull up the weather app to see if we were like, under some like tornado warning. Um, and it was like clear skies, no rain, no storm, nothing. And I'm like, but it was that real to me as I saw these sirens. And, and I've been seeing this and hearing this in the spirit a lot of recent because time is of the essence. Time is of the essence. And the Lord is saying, prepare, equip, and put boots on the ground and begin to do what I've called you to do. Set our focus like laser beam, like yeah, I saw in like the vision, it was like a laser yeah. beam. Every one of these things was pointing like a laser. And God was saying, it's all pointing to the harvest. Let's go and let's get the harvest. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I love it, guys. Those are so good. I feel like everything is just flowing together. Um, everyone, the shares, you know, it's just interesting to me that, um, you know, right now the enemy's trying to like put out the prophetic voice. Well, you can't shut, shut the voice of God, but it's just very interesting, even in America, but we're actually saying like, Hey, like prepare for what God's doing. And so one of the things I think in this past season, well, a couple of things, one is the Lord is like you, like just in general, people have so many distractions in their lives. Like we're, we're busy, busy, busy. Like we've got to take that word out of our thing and say, like you ask people, we're busy, busy, busy. But what if we're missing out on what God's trying to say because we're so busy? 
Yes. And so I've really told people, I said, refocus, like what you're saying, Ashley, like laser the things that God's called you to do and just focus on that. Don't mm -hmm. run and do something because you think it's cool to do it or you want to hang out with people. Like, like, is that what God's called you to do? And just stick to that. And I think that's where we feel like we'll always have time for the harvest. We'll always have time for whatever God's saying to us. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Those, that was really good what you guys shared. Okay. So Brandy, before I introduce Brandy, I want to tell because miracles right now are going to be very important in this next season. I mean, we've seen miracles. We've seen people that God has raised up as like leading, whether they're healing evangelists, all that. But I, I believe that the, everyone should be, um, functioning through healing signs and wonders, right? And praying for the sick. It's not calling your pastor when someone's sick. Why don't you go lay hands on them, right? So I saw a miracle last year, towards the end of last year, that I still am, because it gave God glory. So there was this, I was at a church here in Peoria, and um, there was, I mean, it was jam-packed, and this young guy came up, and he said, you know, hey, my friends have been praying for me. Um, I'm believing, like, out of just I don't, I, he had to be like a teenager. Um, he said, I don't know, just out of the blue, I can't walk. And he couldn't figure out, the doctors couldn't figure out why he couldn't walk. And so the evangelist that came in, he said, hey, well, why don't we pray for you? And he got his friends. He took, so he, he instead of him laying hands, which he did, but he said, hey, your friends have been praying for you. Why don't they come up here and lay hands on you? And we'll all agree together for your healing. So as he was walk, he literally started walking. You saw him walking out of his, you know, like out of his sickness. All of a sudden the place, he takes off running. Now you have to understand he can barely walk. He takes off running. And all of a sudden I, I could close my eyes and it's all right. It's so moving to me. I could close my eyes and it was like the, I saw God getting glory. Like the place erupted. And I, re I realized that when, when we're in miracle signs and wonders, we're doing kingdom things. It always give God, it always gives God the glory in the middle of it. And I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a time that I've seen, which every healing should give God glory, obviously, but it was just so special. And I don't know if God was just marking that for me, but literally I was just like, God is getting glory. Like I, like the praise, everything, like I felt like so I wonder if the, one of the tricks of the enemy is to take out our kingdom culture and how we're supposed to operate as believers and put us in fear and not fully like, you know, even what Paul was sharing about being bold um, to take that out of our life so we don't actually act like believers in this kingdom. Right. And so so I believe like what Brandy, Brandy and her husband, they passed her in Oklahoma city and God's really used her in miracles. And so I wanted you to share like maybe a little bit, even share like on the airplane, like remember that one, I know that's from a couple of years ago, you've seen tons of miracles since, but like really how you guys are training people as everyday believers to believe for miracles, but also like tell a couple stories also. Welcome Brandy. Sure. Thanks so much for having me, Elizabeth. So yeah, so actually I'll just tell one from yesterday. So last night we did a Zoom call to our global partners and friends. And there's a gentleman who's out in California who's a partner. And so he uh, mentions on the call that he's newly married and that his wife had a problem with her knee. So she came in and sat down and I'm guessing she was like late fifties, early sixties. And she had a metal plate and screws in her knee. And so we just told him, we said, can you put your hand on her knee? and feel it. And so he put his hand there and felt the screws. And he's like, yeah, you can feel the metal. You can feel the screws. So we prayed and um, he's like, wait a minute, it's smooth. Like where the screws are, were, aren't there anymore. And so we had her walk around, you know, and she was like, it's, it's a lot better. There's still a little bit. And Jesus is the author and finisher of faith. So if he starts it, he'll complete it. So we just said, we'll sit down. We'll pray for you again. We prayed for her again. And she was totally healed before the night was over. And actually this last weekend, we had another cool metal miracle. We, um, I was ministering at a retreat and it was fun because it was a lot of people that were new to the healing power of God. And so what I did is I found a lady who was a nurse and I said, okay, why don't you practice on these people? Because, you know, oftentimes we want to put it um, on people that stand behind a pulpit, people that are leaders. And we want to put those people in a place of saying, hey, you're responsible for this. But as Elizabeth shared, if you are a follower of Jesus, you can walk in the anointing of miracles because we're all called to do what Jesus did. And so this nurse um, put her hand on someone's ankle who had a metal plate and screws. And it was so fun actually watching her face because as she's praying, the nurse's face starts like lighting up and changing. And she is like, I don't really know what to do because 
it's like melting, it's dissolving, like the screws are not there and everything is different. And, and it's just fun because then people see those and experience it and realize, wait a minute, I can do this. This is for me too. If I will just partner with the Holy Spirit, I can walk into it. And so really I appreciated what Ashley was saying about the harvest because so much of what we're seeing is not just to empower and equip believers, but also to take it and reach the world around us. The power of God makes him real. Whether or not people decide to repent and follow Jesus is between them and God. But we as believers have the responsibility of being a solution. And so even when um, Seth and Amanda were mentioning, you know, the idea of, of getting food and things like that, it's so important, obviously, that we're using wisdom. But when you look at this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, the baskets that the disciples pick up are what we would view as like dinner roll baskets. I mean, they're small. But when you study the feeding of the 4,000, the baskets that the disciples actually fill, there are seven basketfuls. The basket there is the same thing that's used for the gentleman that um, his friends bring and lower him in from the ceiling. It's actually life-size or human-size baskets. So you're talking five-foot baskets. So like God is not just able to meet the need of provision that you have or that your neighborhood has. He's actually able to far exceed it. Right. So not only did he meet the need in provision, but he also emptied those baskets because the people didn't need them anymore. They were just supernaturally healed in the atmosphere. And so I would just say in terms of like what we're seeing happen in America, we're just seeing a huge outpouring of miracle signs and wonders. And Elizabeth, again, you you hit on, um, you know, just different areas that the enemy was coming in. And I would say one area that I think a lot of people have fallen into in the body of Christ is so many people are living out of hope instead of faith. So hope is a, is good. Hope is biblical, but faith is the currency of heaven. And faith is what brings manifestation into today. So what, what I mean by that is like, yes, revival is coming, but revival is here. So if you're waiting for something to come, you're not actually having an expectation. It will be here and now. And as America and as believers in America, we have to shift our mindset to stop focus on what's coming and start saying, wait a minute, God is here now. Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday and he'll be tomorrow, which means the same power, that same authority that we've been given, we can walk in today. Anyway, I'm just throwing that out there because I think so many people are hoping like one day, one day, one day. And it's like, God is just waiting for whosoever will. And that's you, that's me, that's all of us. So that's just kind of a small snippet of what we're seeing. But I mean, we're seeing deaf, deaf hear, uh, blind see, the lame walk. I mean, if, if it was in the Bible, we should all be seeing it and we should be the solution. And I want to encourage you one last thing before I jump off is just to dream bigger. And so if there is a problem in the world, you as a believer should have the answer. So what I mean by that in the area of signs, wonders, and miracles is like we should believe that we can pull apart Siamese twins and their body parts are recreated. We should be believing when little people are born that we put our hand up and they grow into full-size adults. We should be believing not just for resurrection, but we should be believing resurrection after cremation. I mean, we should start stretching our faith to say, if it's possible with God, it's something that we all should be walking in. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, Brandy. I do want to tell you to tell the story from the airplane because this is what okay. I... This is where miracles are going to happen. It's in your everyday life. It's not like you're going to go into service and then there'll be planned miracles. Of course that'll happen. But what if we look for the things that you're on your way flying to Arizona, you were coming to one of our women mm -hmm. on the front lines, right? I think it was one of our women on the I front was. lines. And it's like, you're just about your business. You're flying in, you know, and then all of a sudden I'll let you take it. Yeah. So it's early morning. I'm flying from Cincinnati to Phoenix through Salt Lake. On my first leg to Salt Lake, it's, I don't know, between six and seven in the morning. I'm like half asleep against the window, just enjoying my time. And uh, two rows back in the middle aisle, a woman has passed out and died. And so they have taken her out of the middle seat. They're laying her in the aisle. You know, they're trying to get all the, is there a paramedic? Is there a doctor? Is there anybody that can help? You know, all of that stuff's going on. And so for 20 minutes, she has no pulse and is not breathing. And I took me a few minutes to actually figure out what was really going on. So at first I start praying in tongues and, you know, nothing's happening except for the person next to me is getting a little nervous. Um, but then, you know, just be honest, they're getting a little they're like, what's going on? And so then I remembered though, that the person leading the event who I had talked to just a day or two before, we had talked about the event and we were saying, you know, one of the things specifically for that event is that people would walk into their destiny. And so I just decreed and started decreeing over this woman that not a single part of her destiny would be stolen, that she would fulfill everything God's called her to. 
And literally within moments of just out loud decreeing it, this lady, I mean, 20 minutes, no pulse, not breathing, pops up and she's like glowing and she's looking around. They're like, um, we're trying to land the plane for you. You know, they're trying to explain it. And she's like, oh, I'm totally fine. I don't need anything. Like I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm hundred percent, but it's not an airplane, right? I mean, there's no, there's no Christianese in an airplane. It's just an airplane. And so it's, but it happens everywhere. And so again, if you're watching this, I just want to encourage you, you know, don't limit God to a church service. Don't limit God to other believers. Get out and solve the world's problems by bringing Jesus to people. Yeah, I love it. And the thing is, most of those things happen when we don't, we're, it's very inconvenient for us, right? And so, so yeah. God is, so we just have to say, you know, like I, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I usually say this, so Lord, Lord, what's on your heart today? Because then he puts you in divine moments and divine places to really even prophetically speak to people that maybe have never heard the voice of God. They're not even, you know, they're in a different religion or whatever it is. So your miracle is not just maybe physical. It may be, you know, salvation or, you know, whatever that is, but that God would use you to. But awesome. Today has been so good, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for watching online today. If you'd like to follow any of them, please get on their social media or if you'd like to invite any of them to come speak for you, um, uh, anyone watching. So go ahead and go to their website sites. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing what God has been speaking to you. It's been such a great day. And I love how everything flowed together. I feel like Brandy wants to pray for people, but <laughs> so thank you guys so much. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. We'll have Bishop Bill Hammond on uh, next week. We'll be talking about money, ministry, and methods in the season of the church.